John 3.30 says that he, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. Or maybe as you, if you grew up in a church that read the, the, New King, or the King James Version, you might have heard, I must decrease and he must increase. But that's where greater comes from. And so we're starting our new series called Greater Still today. Uh, my name is Steve Wallen. I'm the campus pastor here at Genesis Church. Thanks for joining us today. I want to ask you, how many of you have had a birthday in the last year or so? Raise your hand. Everybody, right? We all have. That's a ridiculous question. If you celebrated a birthday in the last year, it probably looked a little different from any of your birthdays in the past, right? My birthday is in April. It's coming up, so put it on your calendar. Uh, but last year, when my wife decided to throw me a birthday party, she invited some of our friends to drive by our house in one of those parades that they usually have for little kids, you know? And uh, my friends brought balloons and signs and uh, none of them threw cash out the window. I didn't understand that, but they brought gifts. And uh, I even had a dinosaur at my parade. I had one of those uh, people in an inflatable dinosaur costume come and run down our street, which the kids next door loved. Uh, I haven't had a dinosaur at a birthday party in a few years, I have to tell you. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm old enough now that I remember when I was a kid, we had real dinosaurs at our parties, not just people in inflatable suits. But it's been a minute since I had a dinosaur at my birthday party, but it really looked different. Well, today we're celebrating the one-year birthday, as Paul said, of greater. So I hope you grabbed a cupcake. If not, grab one on your way out. But for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some amazing things that the Lord is, has done and is doing in our church. And at the same time, we're going to look ahead to what we believe he has for us in the next chapter. So you won't want to miss that. Stay tuned. Now, if you followed along at all this year, you know that we are in a year-long Bible reading plan together as a church. We're calling it Planted. And if you haven't been here, if you're new, you can join right in. I just want to invite you in. We're on day 66. We're using an app uh, uh, called Read Scripture. You can download the Read Scripture app for your iPhone or for your Android device. And uh, like I say, just start in on day 66. I don't encourage you to try to go back and catch up 65 days uh, this weekend. That probably wouldn't be very productive, but start on day 66. Uh, we just finished... Uh, we finished Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And just yesterday, you should have started the book of Joshua. And so that's what we're going to talk about starting today. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, you might open it to the book of Joshua. If you don't have a Bible, there's one, there are some on the table in the back of the room. Go ahead and get up and grab one of those if you want. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that with you. We want that to be our gift to you so that you can follow along with us as we read through Scripture. Now, Joshua, the book of Joshua is all about a man named, anyone? Joshua, right? Uh, Joshua was the successor to Moses, and Moses was one of the greatest leaders of all time. God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea so that they could go through and escape. He went up on Mount Sinai and talked with God face-to-face -face in person. And so Joshua had some really big shoes to fill, when it came to replacing Moses. It would kind of be like stepping into a campus pastor role after Ben Krause. Like you're just never gonna meet those expectations. That was what Joshua was facing. But while Moses led the people out of Egypt, he was never able to get them into the promised land. In fact, he only took them right up to the very edge, right up to the verge of the promised land. And what should have been a 14 day journey from Egypt into this land that God had promised because of their disobedience, turned into 40 years. And this is where Joshua took over. Now, if you remember the story from a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Israelites sent 12 spies into the promised land to scope it out, to see what it looked like. Joshua was one of those 12 spies. 
And when those 12 spies came out, 10 of the 12 said, no, we shouldn't go there. That the, the people were too big and strong. The cities were too fortified. It would be too dangerous. But there were two men of those 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb, who said, yes, God has promised this to us. We need to go. And because of that, now we're 40 years later, because of the disobedience of the Israelites, they were never able to enter. Only Joshua and Caleb, they're the only two men who were men back then who are now able, going to be able to go in and enter the promised land. But the cities of their enemies are still there. The giant warriors are still there. And if a leader like Moses couldn't get them in, I mean, can you see how it'd be a little intimidating for somebody like Joshua? And when you stop and think about it, Joshua's story sounds a lot like the plots to many of the movies we love. It's kind of like uh, Frodo's quest to destroy the ring of power or like Luke Skywalker's calling to save the galaxy or Tony Stark's determination to save planet Earth or like Lloyd and Harry trying to get the suitcase full of money back to Aspen. Uh, that's Moomaw's favorite movie. I had to include that one. Uh, but unlike all those stories, this one is real. It's history. It actually happened. And Joshua's story is pretty epic. And the best part about it is that God, as in God, the creator of the universe, we see him leading and guiding the Israelites and Joshua as they finally begin the process of taking over possession of the promised land. And that's where we're going to start in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles open, uh, if not, you can see it on the screen here. Joshua 1, 1 starts with this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. So God encourages Joshua by saying that even though Moses is dead, the mission is still on. Like, yes, some things have changed, but we're still going forward with the mission. This is still the plan. I want you to lead my people just like Moses did. I know that sounds difficult, but I'm promising you to give you every place you set your foot. That's what God tells Joshua. And then he continues in verse five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, so how's that for a shot of encouragement? God is promising Joshua success, which sounds amazing, right? God is promising success. No matter what you do, every place you set your feet, I will give you. But just because God guarantees success doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Right? I mean, think about Moses. I think by most counts, most of us would say that Moses had a pretty successful life. He was a pretty successful leader. But would you say that Moses' life was easy? Well, I don't know. Is it easy to convince Pharaoh to set the Israelites free? Was it easy to cross the Red Sea? Was it easy to lead a nation of people who were always grumbling and complaining and rebelled against God? Was it easy to wander in the wilderness for 40 years? I, I, Moses was able to see some amazing things that God did, but I wouldn't say any of them were easy. Incredible, yes. Easy, not so much. So now imagine that you are Joshua. 
And God is saying to you, hey, you know where Moses left off? You're picking up right there. I want you to grab the mantle and take it. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I will make you successful. Well, if I were Joshua, I would probably say something like, God, that sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that promise to be with you. I saw how you helped my friend Moses, and that was incredible. But God, could you please make it just a little bit easier? Well, but as we read, here's what we're going to see. God isn't going to make it easier Instead, he's going to make Joshua stronger. Let's pick it up in verse six. God says this. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Something you should know about the Hebrew language is that when they wanted to emphasize something, they would repeat it. And if they really wanted to emphasize it, they would repeat it three times. And now we see in this passage that three times in four verses, God is commanding Joshua to be strong and courageous. And if you read this a little closer, you see that there is a promise tied to each one of those commands. So let's look at it. Verse six first says this, be strong and courageous. There's the first time because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Be strong and courageous. And there's the promise. God says, I will be faithful to fulfill my promise. I promise this to your ancestors. I'm going to be good for that promise. It's going to be a battle. It's going to require strength and courage from you and from the people. But I'm going to be good to my promise. The second time is in verse 7. He says this, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So this time God is saying this. He's saying, my power is available to my people through my word. Be strong and courageous because I'm going to give you my power to you, my people, through my word. Uh, God gave them his word so that it would strengthen their faith. Now, this is the main reason uh, we're doing this planted challenge this year while we're reading through the Bible together. We believe that God's word has the power to transform our lives. And we believe that he's going to use our daily practice to bless you, to bless me, to bless our whole church family. Then as we read verse 9, we see this command one last time. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So this third time is really just a promise of God's presence traveling with Joshua. Now you might be thinking, uh, that sounds great. That's really cool to know that three times God commanded him that. What does that have to do with my life? Like, what, what does that have to do with 2021 and what we're in now? Well, you, I mean, that, you're, that's a fair question. Uh, you're right to think that. Maybe you're not gearing up to go take possession of the promised land. But chances are, over the last year, you found yourself in a season or two that have felt a little overwhelming to you. You know, many of us have had to navigate the joys and of online learning, right, with our kids, or as a kid, as a student, uh, or maybe you've had to 
learn how to work from home while your coworkers are goofing off in the background or arguing. And some of us have had to build a career or a business in a really, really difficult economy where we have no experience. Some of us are figuring out retirement. Others of us are learning how to be single in a world where it's really safer to just be alone. And some of us have lost friends or loved ones. Doesn't matter if you're old or young or in school or retired or married or single. There are some times in life where we just feel like life is going to swallow us whole. And in those moments, we ask ourselves questions like, how am I going to survive this? Is it always going to be this way? How am I going to make ends meet? What am I supposed to do now? And do I have what it takes? So this week, as you read through Joshua, I just want you to notice all the times Joshua probably felt tired or weak or inadequate. I mean, times when he probably wanted to quit. Times when he just wished he would get demoted so that somebody else could take over and go carry this mantle and go lead the people into the promised land. I've got to imagine in those moments that Joshua would come back to these words from the Lord in Joshua chapter 1 to be strong and courageous because the three promises God made. God committed to keep his promises, to strengthen the people through his word, and to comfort them with his presence. But, now this is a big but, God promised this, but at the same time, he made the command to Joshua to be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. And this was, as we read it, you need to understand, it was a command. It was not a suggestion. It's a command. Be strong and courageous. He doesn't tell him to pray for courage. In fact, there's nowhere in Scripture that, I've, that I read Maybe you know better than I do. There's nowhere in scripture that I've ever seen where it tells us that we can pray for courage. It always tells us to have courage or to be strong and courageous. Now, what that means is this. Courage is not a feeling. It's an action. We can't force ourselves into a feeling. The Bible wouldn't tell us to do something we couldn't do. So you can't force yourself into a feeling. I mean, if you're in those moments where you're unsure or insecure or scared, you can't make yourself not feel that way, or at least I can't. But we can still be courageous. You know why? Because courage isn't an absence of fear. Courage is choosing to act in the face of fear. Right? If it's not hard or scary or dangerous, it doesn't take courage. If it's easy, it doesn't require courage. If we're not afraid, it doesn't take courage. But to act in the face of fear, that's what courage is. And let me tell you a secret, okay? I'm not going to tell this to everybody because, but I think, I feel like I can trust you guys. I'm looking at you. I like you guys. And so I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes right feelings follow right actions. And here's what I mean by this. If you choose in a moment to act courageous, it can actually help you feel courageous. And if you act out of courage one time when you're really scared, you know what? The next time, it's not quite so scary. And then the next time, and then the next time, and it gets easier and easier, and eventually it's not scary anymore. I mean, think about this. Think about the first time you jumped off the high dive at the pool. That took courage, right? But did the hundredth time? No. It takes courage 
to give up the grip you might have on your finances and start giving or start giving more to commit to something like greater. But you know what? If you're a follower of Jesus, you already have experience doing something that takes courage anyway because it takes courage to live differently in this world. As followers of Jesus, we are called to look different from the rest of the world when it comes to sin and disobedience. And that takes courage. It takes courage not to go to that party. It takes courage not to watch that show everybody's buzzing about in the office. It takes courage not to have sex outside of marriage. People are going to laugh. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to wonder what's wrong with you. It takes courage to live like that. It takes courage to do what the Bible tells us to do as far as standing up for the rights of orphans and widows and foreigners and the unborn when the whole world says, no, you need to look out for number one. That's what's the most important thing. It takes courage to walk across the street and tell your neighbor about Jesus. As a pastor, it takes courage to stand up here and talk to you about money. But I'm going to do it. But seriously, a year ago, Genesis had a decision to make. We had started down this path called Greater, and then as the world began to close down, we had to decide if we're going to move forward or stop and talk about something else. You know, should we wait and hope this whole pandemic blows over in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Uh, I don't know if you remember a year ago, it looked like it could do that. I remember sitting back in the, in the booth back here with my friend DJ Torado. DJ's playing guitar today. And I was sitting back there and DJ works for a major hospital here in Indianapolis. And uh, I said, DJ, so tell me what you know, how long is this thing going to last? And he said, all of our signs say that it's not going to peak until July. And I'm sitting there in March going, July seems like a really long time. <laughs> and now I go, oh, man, I wish this would have peaked in July, <laughs> right? I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen. Do we talk about something else and, you know, hope this blows over and come and have a commitment Sunday in person? Do we stop and talk about what's happening around the world with race and injustice or do we move forward with what we were convinced God had laid on our hearts, had started in our church, and we decided to move forward because we understood this. Our staff, our elders, we understood that greater is not about money. It was about the fact that people all over our city, all over our neighborhoods, all over the world were dying without knowing the love and forgiveness of Christ and going to hell. And we had to make room for them. And that's why we rolled out greater. When we rolled out greater, we said we wanted to go all in on three things. We wanted to make disciples, reach our cities, and change the world. And making disciples is all about what we do every day. It's Sunday worship services, it's connection groups, it's students and kids ministries, it's outreach. Uh, we had the goal by 2022 of growing our annual budget from 1.8 to 2.1 million. And because when you give to greater, you're giving to everything we do, we knew we needed to keep paying staff salaries and keep leasing our buildings and keep paying utility bills and supporting our outreach partners and sending students and kids to camp. Now, remember, this was right before COVID-19 hit, and we didn't know at the time was we were going to have to make a significant investment into having online services as well. I don't know if you remember this, but in March, this weekend in March last year, we didn't even have an online service. In fact, the second week in March, uh, was it March 12th or the 13th, uh, at, it was a Thursday at 2 o'clock. 
we had had a meeting as a staff and talked to our elders and we had said that we we're going to go forward. You know, the COVID thing was coming. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of uncertainty, but we decided, yes, we're going to have services this weekend. And so I sent out an email to everybody in our church. And I said, I know, yes, we understand what's happening in the world. We are still having services on Sunday. That was at two o'clock at two 30. The governor came on and said, you're all staying home. <laughs> and so we had to send another email. I had Paul send that one because, you know, everybody listens to him. It was like, hey, Steve sent that email earlier. Ignore that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's what we're going to do. We're not having services. We're going to be online. And this was Thursday and we didn't have an online service. And so in, in a couple of days, Joel and Justin and our whole team scrambled to make that happen. And because of your generosity, Genesis Church, we were able to start an online service. In fact, let me ask you a question. Show of hands. How many of you have benefited from our online services? Yeah, me too. Isn't that cool? And not only that, we've had people join the Genesis family from all over the world, from Illinois to Iraq. And that was something that we never envisioned when we brought our worship services online. So if you've given to Genesis in any capacity over the last year, you helped make online services a reality. Thank you for that. Now, the second objective was to reach our cities. This is all about having facilities that are open and welcoming to the communities that we serve, Noblesville and Carmel. Now, for the past few years, we've been looking for a new home for our Noblesville campus. This building is old and tired, and we were reminded of that again this week when our, we went out in the parking lot and we had burst a pipe, a water pipe that comes to the building that was flooding our parking lot. Danielle came in after being at our Carmel campus and said, hey, should we be concerned that all of our cars are standing in water right now? And this is what was happening. That pipe burst. It flooded into our lot where our staff park and then started to go out into the main parking lot uh, before, and we lost uh, water pressure to the building. And uh, that happened in the building last year, right before we started Greater. <laughs> and so it seems like whenever we think, you know what, maybe we've got some time, the Lord reminds us, it's time to move. I told you to move. Um, we were also really tight on space last spring. And we're convinced we're going to be again soon. And we don't just want to relocate, but we really would love to have a multi-purpose facility that serves as a gift to the community, that's open to the community. I mean, we want to be a building where people can come in Monday through Saturday and feel loved on and use it for uh, some really great purposes for our community. We, our, our staff has taken to say, we want a building where the lights never turn off. And so we have, uh, as Paul said, over a million dollars set aside for that. That won't build a building, but it's a million more than we had last year, and it is a start. And that's true in Noblesville, but it's also true in Carmel. We're thankful to have a great working relationship with our landlord there, but that building needs some improvements, and we know that we're not going to be able to stay there forever as well. And the last piece of our greater vision was to change the world. We want to change the world by investing an additional $300,000 to meet the needs, help meet the needs of some of our ministry partners. If you've been here for a while, you know that we already give away a tenth of everything that we receive to ministry partners, but we wanted to do some specific things with our partner church in Albania, ICF Church, who are also looking for a new building. We thought it was only fair. If we get a building, they should get a building too. Uh, we want to continue partnering with our local schools in Noblesville and Westfield and Carmel. We were able to give grants uh, last year to Westfield and Noblesville schools to help meet the needs of some underserved students there. And finally, we love what God is doing at Genesis through adoption and foster care and safe families. And we were able to set up a fund over the past year to help with these needs in some really, really important ways. Friends, God has been so faithful 
even in a pandemic, even as we had to shut down in-person services, even as the effects of COVID have gone on far longer than any of us thought they would. And so now with one year in and one to go, why are we revisiting this? Why take three weeks in the middle of our spring and talk about greater still? Is it because we need money? (laughs) No, I want to assure you, uh, Genesis Church is in really good financial shape. But we need to do it because I believe we are right on the verge of God doing something amazing at Genesis Church. I can feel it. I can feel it even this morning. I feel the energy in this room. I feel the energy in this place. I feel like God is getting ready to do something really great in our church. Like we're right on the edge. But if I can be honest with you, not not as a pastor, just as a friend and as a fellow follower of Jesus, money was, when I was finding my, my way back to God, money was the last thing that I was willing to let go of. Like I was really good at stashing and counting and keeping spreadsheets of where all of our money went and where it was stored. And even as the Lord was working in my heart to read more scripture and to pray more and to serve in the church and to give up bad habits, all of that was easier than letting go of the really tight grip I had on my money. But when my wife and I finally did that and realized that all everything that we own belonged to God and when we were that we were just caretakers of it man I felt a huge burden lift off my shoulders Uh, but that's not just me I've heard story after story of people in our church uh, and what God has done in people's hearts through greater for instance I I know families in our church who have given stock and mutual funds from their investment accounts I heard from one person uh, the last couple weeks who gave who had committed to give from a fund and that fund grew by the same amount that they had committed to give in that year. (laughs) Pretty incredible. Uh, Families have sold possessions to give because they were passionate about the vision. One family was getting ready to refinance their mortgage and they just took out an extra $10,000 to give a one-time gift to greater. Uh, People who were already generous became more generous and some people gave for the first time ever. Uh, one family from Carmel sent us this story. They, they, they have their own business and their income is kind of irregular anyway. So they were really unsure of how they were going to commit. And then the pandemic hit and they, uh, they weren't sure how to respond. This is what they told us. It said, as we attended church services in our living room with our family, we still felt called to submit our commitment card for greater. We projected our giving for the next two years and we also planned to give an extra gift sometime. Uh, We put some numbers on the greater commitment card, but regretfully, we never submitted it. Of course, once they committed, their largest project was delayed. By the way, when you make a big commitment to God, there's going to be a spiritual battle over that. I just want you to know you have a very real enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then when you go to make a commitment to God, there's going to be spiritual warfare over that. So you better be ready for it. That's what happened with this family. They made this commitment, or at least in their mind, they made a commitment, and then their biggest project was canceled. Here's what happened. In late spring, we were able to start that project that had been delayed, as well as some additional work that hadn't been in development. It was a challenging year in so many ways, and we were forced to just take things one day at a time. But in late fall, as we were evaluating our work for the year, we were surprised by the way some smaller projects had added up. By the end of the year, we were amazed at the way that God had provided for our business and our family because somehow he managed to take the number we wrote on the commitment card but didn't turn in, And he multiplied it. And this year we were able to give almost uh, the same as what we thought we'd be able to give over the span of two years. As God provided faithfully to our family throughout the year, we simply chose to give faithfully because it hadn't really been ours from the beginning. 
We didn't know what God had planned for us last year, and we don't know what he has planned for us this year, but we fully expect God to literally do greater things than we could ask or imagine. And if you weren't here for greater last year or didn't take part for any reason, I just want to invite you in. As Paul said, on March 21st, you'll have the chance to make a commitment to be a part of the Greater Initiative for the next one year. If you have questions, uh, you want to hear more about the vision behind Greater, we've put some literature out at the Info Hub today. There's also some t-shirts there, some good-looking t-shirts like this that does say Greater, not Eater, in case that's, uh, it does say Greater. Um, but uh, we also, I want to invite you on Tuesday, March, or, uh, Tuesday night, March the 16th, we're going to have a vision and prayer night at our Carmel campus, and this will be a chance to hear some more stories about what God is doing. We'll pray together um, and we'll get, you'll get the chance to ask any questions you may have and talk about our next steps. We want to be bold and courageous about this. Our main goal is 100% engagement. That means every man, woman, and child who calls Genesis their home taking the next step in generosity because this is not about money. It is about accomplishing the mission of helping people find their way back to God. As you read the story of Joshua, what you see is that God didn't need the strength of Joshua or the Israelites to win the battle. He just needed their obedience. And in a lot of ways, that's similar to what God wants from us. I mean, think about this. Right before God told us to move forward with this initiative to make room for more people, he emptied us of people. Like our buildings were empty for months. It didn't make any sense. But as you read Joshua, you'll see that the way they won their battles, it didn't make any sense either. But if we're bold and courageous, remember this. God committed to keep his promises, to strengthen people through his word and to comfort them with his presence. Do you know that's exactly what God did by sending his son Jesus to die for our sins? That Jesus himself, along with the writers of the New Testament, teach us that when we admit we've sinned against God and when we put our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection from the dead to pay for our sins, that God promises this. He'll give us eternal life through Jesus to strengthen us through his word and to live inside us through the Holy Spirit. If you've never made that decision to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the promise that God makes to you. And today you can be strong and courageous by admitting that you are weak apart from Christ. You can be strong and courageous by admitting that you've sinned against God. You you can be strong and courageous by accepting Jesus' free offer to pay for your sins through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And you can be strong and courageous by being baptized in Christ this Easter as we celebrate baptisms as a church. If you're ready to be strong and courageous and talk about making this huge change in your life and surrendering to Jesus, I'm gonna be up here after the service. Paul will be up here. We'd love to talk to you about that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to be strong and courageous as you've commanded us to be. And there are times I admit when my fear gets in the way, where my pride gets in the way, I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. I get too wrapped up in my earthly agenda. I have my eyes focused on what is seen on this planet instead of what is unseen, which is what you tell us to focus on. So Lord, we need your help to be strong and courageous. I pray for anyone in this room right now that's struggling with a difficult decision, struggling with a difficult habit that needs to be strong and courageous and hears that you have commanded them. Lord, I pray that they would have courage, that they would be able to know that 
they can move forward even in the face of fear and that you will fight the battle for them. And Father, I pray for people in this room right now that don't know your love and forgiveness, Lord, that you are, I, I believe that you are drawing them to yourself. And I pray that they would be strong and courageous and stand up and make that decision and raise their hand and say, yes, I wanna know the love and forgiveness of Jesus and I wanna follow him all of my days. Lord, we leave that to you. We will trust you with the results of that. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.